Hello, this is Nilla Varman and you're listening to the Nilla Extract, the official show where I talk about pressing issues such as body acceptance, mental health, climate change, race and so much more, with some pretty cool music and some pretty cool guests too. Hello everyone, my name is Nilla Varman and welcome to another episode of the Nilla Extract. Thank you so much for being here and to whoever celebrates Deepavali, happy Deepavali! Um, uh, as usual, it's a rainy one for me. There hasn't been a non-rainy Deepavali in my entire existence. Uh, today is my third favourite holiday after Pongal, which is the Tamil um, Harvest Festival and Christmas. And it's all about being with family and doing fireworks and uh, eating lots of food and drinking a lot and just celebrating kindness and warmth. So here I am live in Studio One at the Nilla Extract, where I will try to challenge many socially pressing and relevant issues that aren't really talked about that much. Also, I had a crazy cool indent, which was pretty cool. I dent, sorry. So thank you to uh, the person who created that. So today's episode is called You Are Enough. And despite the fact that this episode is predominantly celebrating one of the loudest holidays I've ever had the pleasure of celebrating, it was also um, a huge privilege to have Gabby from Blogs by Gabby on today uh, on our show to talk about her journey with body positivity, eating disorder recovery, and how essentially we are enough. And I thought that it was perfect because the bubbly is all about embracing yourself to the fullest and uh, advance uh, trigger warning, by the way, in case you aren't really ready to hear this conversation, which takes place in the second half of the episode, uh, you might want to skip that bit. And that's totally OK. So the song that just played before I said my hello was uh, an intro to another song by my favourite Tamil composer. His name is Iliraja. Now, to say that I was a fan would be an understatement. My whole family worships him and has grown up with the soundtrack of his music our entire lives. My dad is a mega fan and my mum, they both listened to his music as children. And then they passed it on to me and my brother who think we possibly know every single one of the 10,000 songs from more than the 1,000 movies he's ever composed. Like, that's crazy. (laughs) But his songs are amazing and, you know, really listen to them. And uh, I'm going to make sure that I dedicate this entire episode to his music. So I don't even understand the words most of the time, though I speak um, Tamil fluently. But his music makes me feel all the right emotions without actually having to decipher the meaning of these songs, which I think is pretty, pretty nifty. And um, so these songs and my alarms, they're my lullabies. They play constantly in my house from dusk till dawn. And the accompanies on drives and especially during every family gathering. So especially during the Bavali, which is the Festival of Light, uh, my dad always puts together a killer playlist, which consists of both um, Iliraja songs and some amazing other Tamil songs. And everyone would get crazy drunk and dance. <laughs> so those are some of my fondest memories and... My amma would spend about two days cooking and preparing the most tastiest food with my dad, who was helping. And we'd host about 60 or more people in our house and sometimes both in our house and down the in the club down the road. Like, I, oh, my God. Imagine even having people at your house at the moment who aren't your housemates. <laughs> so, yeah, today's episode is about nostalgia. I mean, I'll be playing songs that came out before I was even born. Um, but I'm doing a lot of self-reflecting and um, as I said self-love to me is reminiscing the past and I've decided to have a little party by myself in the studio as I'm not with family this year and it's a bit sad (laughs) however I wanted to carry on my mum's tradition of making people feel loved and make a huge meal so all my I hope all my housemates are really hungry (laughs) so I'll start off our mini party with uh, one of my favourite Tamil songs by Raja 
It's also a song that every, everyone in my house dances to. So I hope you enjoy it. It's also kind of old and very chaotic. Kind of like me, but only the chaotic part. So, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. மடைதிறந்து தாவும் நதியலை நான் மனம் திறந்து கூவும் திரு கோயில் நான் இசை கலைஞன் என்றாசைகளாயிரம் நினைத்தது பலித்தது Bavali. I mean, where where do I begin? So at my house, the Bavali begins a week before the actual day. So first up, I would do a really cool painting on his computer um, on paint and send millions of invites to absolutely everyone he knows. 
And then he and Omar would clean up the garage and gossip about what might go down at this year's legendary party. Let's just say that they never disappoint. Um, Appa and I would then spend hours making decorations, like paper lanterns and banners and like other stuff. <laughs> and one year we even made kites and we stuck them all over the wall. Uh, I'm not really sure why, but loads and loads of decorations. And um, a week before, obviously, we need to buy all of our provisions and get all the goods, you know. By goods, I mean booze. No, I'm kidding. Um, but we'd go to Rushome in Manchester, which is like the Indian area-esque thing. And uh, me and my brother would be in the backseat of the car and I'd be plotting which nuts and raisins I was going to steal from the Indian shop. Now, I know what you're thinking. I'm not a criminal, but I was very young and my parents spent what felt like hours and days in the Indian shop and my brother and I used to run around and look at everything and fiddle around whilst my parents bought disposable cutlery and vegetables and fireworks and all the desserts that they needed for the massive party they were going to throw the next weekend so shout out to worldwide food I'm sorry I stole so many of your nuts there used to be um, an exposed pick and mix section of nuts and jellies and I had big pockets <laughs> and then I'd go and hit the cherries so when I was back in my car uh, my brother would be waiting for me to present my assortment of treats he'd be like what did you get today Nilla? like you know I'm gonna eat the one there and I'd be like "Ooh, look inside um you know what now that I think about it I can't believe that I used to do that but it's such a me thing to do that it doesn't surprise me and then we drive back home um, uh, with obviously the accompaniment of Raja music and I'd instantly fall asleep on my brother's lap whilst we drove a very long journey of about 15 minutes back to my house. Now, the week leading up to the big party, the big day, my brother and I would be absolutely ecstatic. We'd be jumping all over the place because we knew our friends were going to be there and one year, my parents even got a bouncy castle to put in the garden. So we had pretty big, you know, expectations to fill. And since the party was at our house, we both automatically thought that made us extremely cool. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and we used to want to show off all of our fancy gizmos and all that jazz, you know. And uh, on Deepavali Eve... Uh, Appa, Mukil, Amandai would go and decorate and put out clothes and there'd always be an argument between me and my mum because I'd like be put into a dress which I liked but I'd complain it was too tight on purpose I don't know why I was very strange that hasn't changed much um, but I would then spend a very very sleepless night thinking about the next day and that's never changed despite being so far away from home for the past few years, I have never been able to sleep all night um, the night before Deepavali. Now, on the day of Deepavali itself, Mukil and I would wake up pretty early because my mum would be cooking something super yummy and then she'd give us an oil bath. Now, this is something we both dreaded as children. I think it's because we didn't realise how relaxing it was when we were kids, but... I kind of still dread it now. I'm not sure if Mukil does, but it's where Amma applies this hot-ish oil first thing in the morning, and it smells a bit funky all over our hair and our body. And I didn't even know why until today. I actually looked it up, and it's because it's meant to ward off all the bad luck and all that stuff. And um, we used to sit on our coffee table, uh, everyone in towels, and it was not very fun. But... You know, then we'd have the task of patiently letting it set in and washing it off and it would take so long. But I guess in a way I got a free massage and, you know, even though I really hated oil baths growing up, I really miss them now because I'm so far away from feeling that comfort. Now I just kind of rub coconut oil on my elbows and call it a day, you know, but it's not the same. And then finally, 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 we'd have a huge breakfast sometimes and like vada curry and idli and sambar and vada and oh um or we'd uh, we'd be a bit fancy and we'd skip breakfast and wait for lunch and dinner because we knew that my mum had made so much food so um yeah <laughs> we were waiting for that and um 
people would usually arrive around lunchtime and uh, stay until the next day. So we'd change into the most extra clothes ever and uh, start calling all of our family members on and FaceTiming absolutely everyone. And it's so fun. Um, I, I love it so much because I think it's a time where people kind of just forget everything, you know, all the bad blood or whatever tensions that they have. And you just celebrate being a family. And even if you're far apart, you know, it's so lovely seeing familiar faces and all that. And then our guests start to arrive and everything kind of turns into a blur. Um, everyone hangs out and people are everywhere. You don't even know who's arrived and who's left. Like, I'll turn around and they'll be like, oh, Nila, in the mama undergar, which means this this uncle's here. And I'll be like, oh. And then I'll be like, but where's this guy? And they'll be like, oh, he left an hour ago. And I'll be like, oh, okay, cool. Um, but after after I kind of figure out where everyone is, we then dig into this huge banquet that my mom has spent hours making. And oh my God, I miss it. She makes like chicken dishes and vegetables and tandoori and 65s and korumbu and biryani and hoo-hoo. Um, and as the night approaches, all the ammas and appas are super drunk. And my appa puts the music on and everybody like gets into the living room and it's hot and sweaty and everyone's got like a pool of sweat on their shirts and it's so attractive. Woo. Um, but until the next morning, everyone's just dancing. And uh, this usually happens after the fireworks. But sometimes people are so drunk, they do the fireworks wrong and they fly everywhere. And we've had all sorts of mishaps, but they always end in laughter. Um and as I said, we've never had a sunny Deepavali. So we'll all be huddled in the garden with like the biggest puffy coats that we could find. And, uh, you know, with all of my dad's oversized slippers on and we'd be standing outside being like, oh, the rocket. Ooh, woo. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I remember one year, one of my friends snuck a firework out from the box that my dad had put aside full of all these uh, different fireworks. And he'd set it off with nobody knowing and it was upside down or something. And it flew absolutely everywhere and it started hitting all the tables and all that. Um, I remember just like running inside. Uh, but we're all alive, so we're all good. But yeah, so they dance before the fireworks. Then they do the fireworks and then they dance again. And then there's dinner again because they're tired from dancing. And then they dance again and then they go to sleep. And everybody would literally drop to sleep in the living room. There'd be people everywhere. And it's actually so fun. And the next day, we'd go to another uncle's house. And the next day, we'd go to another uncle's house. And we'd just have an entire weekend of these really, really fun festivities. And I kind of miss it. I, I miss being a kid and knowing that I don't have anything in the world to care about because I know that my parents are going to make it like one of the best holidays. And growing up, they continue to do that, though, in different ways, in different areas, in different countries. But they've done a fantastic job. And this is the first Deepavali that they've been alone without me and uh, my brother. And I, I felt emotional, but... I can't even imagine how they must feel. So I love you both very, very much. And I know my dad's probably awake. So if he feels like dancing, here's a song for you, Appa. It brings about a lot of memories of uh, everyone using spoons and spatulas as microphones and running around the house chasing all your wives. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> ஜோடி நூறு வகை பாழ் நூறு துவைப்பா 
போதும் போதும் என போதை சேர்ந்து மறப்பா everybody just kind of grabbing other people and just as the music gets faster they also get faster um and it's it it's uh it's a very different song than what i think a lot of people um really think about when it comes to south indian music and stuff and i don't think a lot of people really expose themselves to other um music from other regions in india and i think it's really interesting so definitely check it out um but yeah i today i how is everyone i i never asked i hope you're well i'm well feeling a little bit homesick bit parents no that doesn't make sense i'm missing my parents and i'm missing my brother and like i said doing a lot of self-reflection has really kind of helped me uh especially during the bubbly periods because my first Deepavali at university, I couldn't go back to Manchester and I spent it alone and I made the crappiest tasting biryani that anybody could ever eat. It was so awful. And I just sat in my room and ate it alone. And once I moved into my house with my lovely, lovely housemates, we've had some really cool Deepavali adventures. And I always try to make sure that I keep that energy alive that both my Amandapa have um brought me up experiencing as a child and i want to keep continuing that so maybe when all this lockdown is over head over to wherever i'm living and i'll probably still feed you so yeah but uh 
that's all for me talking right now. Uh, we have our lovely uh, interviewee on next and still some Raja songs to come. So stay tuned. And I really, really, really hope you enjoy our guest, Gabby. And she's incredible. So thank you so much and have a wonderful Deepavali. I'm so excited to introduce Gabby from Blogs by Gabby. She is a writer as well as a voice for women of all shapes and sizes and different genders and different sexual orientation and uh, cultural backgrounds and so much more. And uh, today my episode centers around my culture and my heritage and really loving who I am and embracing um, the Festival of Lights, which is what today is. Well, mm. wonderful. Um, but I thought that Gabby would be the perfect person to talk to about loving myself. And uh, she's also an advocate for body diversity, mental health, and she's created such a vulnerable space where she shares her brilliant perspectives and her journey. So you should really, really check out her Instagram and her blogs because uh, I found that so much resonated with me. So hi, Gabby. Thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm good. Hi, Neela. I'm doing great. I'm super, super excited to dive into this conversation. I'm such a nerd over these topics, so I'm really excited <laughs> to share my knowledge and my experiences and hope that I can touch somebody. I'm really glad. I'm so happy you're here. And uh, yeah, but uh, how have you been like during quarantine? I mean, for different people, I think it's been a bit different. Some people really enjoy, you know, the time that they get to reflect and some people completely hate it. How has it been like that for you? I think it's definitely been, it's had its ups and downs. I, you know, my mental health has taken a toll at certain times. Um, you know, it can get hard to be cooped up, you know, in a space and I'm a pretty outgoing, um, extrovert, but I found that I'm also good at like having my me time. So it's like, I'm an extrovert slash introvert. Um, I think the biggest thing for me has been like, it's definitely pushed me to be more, um, you know, prompting plans because I think before my life was just so go, go, go all the time and plans just kind of naturally happened versus when you're in quarantine, you really have to make the extra effort to yeah. make plans and to do things and get creative with social distancing. So yeah, it's, it's definitely been, I think a growth period for me. Definitely. I mean, that's really lovely to hear for me. It's been like a, like you said, like a whole range of mixed emotions. Sometimes I'm just like, wow, I really get this time to paint and, you know, concentrate on uni work and things like that. But then some days it's just like, I, I don't know what I'm doing and I want something to do, which isn't, you know, getting out of my bed and walking to my table and sitting there and then going and making lunch and then coming back to my table to eat my lunch and exactly. then going to bed. Well, not in the middle of the day, but you get what I mean. Yes, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, some days I've also like felt super confident about myself being like, oh my God, I feel great. You know, I've got to run today and I feel really pretty. And then other days I'm just like, wow, you are ugly. And I hate everything I see today. I mean, you, you've spoken so much about um, body image and, you know, being ourselves and not being ashamed of who we are, not being ashamed of our flaws and, you know, flaws as such. And you've also spoken about so many of your experiences um, and, you know, you really portray this through a blog. But what I also saw is that you had an entire movement called the hashtag normalize you movement. I mean, yeah. for those who don't know, um, what is this movement and what inspired you to start it? Yeah. So I started the Normalize You movement probably about like five or so months ago. Mm -hmm. um, I actually just recently got it trademarked. So I'm really pumped and excited. Congratulations. That's incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I started the Normalize You movement because when I first started my blogs by Gabby and the platform and being more open about body acceptance, eating disorders, yeah. mental health, I was like, you know what? I feel like there's a piece missing. I'm all about, you know, body acceptance, body neutrality, and just being vulnerable on this platform but I feel like whether whatever way you spin it we're always talking about the body whether yeah. we're talking about fighting against the thin ideal and you know anti-diet culture or we're talking about fat acceptance body acceptance all these things which I'm all about and I'm on both sides of them um, I just felt like it was always about the body and there's just so much more to us than a body. And I think when we hyper-focus on our bodies so much, we forget to, you know, embrace all the other incredible aspects of who we are. And we live in such a diet-centric society that's so physical appearance focused. And so I was like, you know what? I want to create somebody, something that not just embodies, you know, 
our body and accepting it, but also just who we are, like, you know, our cultural backgrounds, our sexuality, our, how many languages we speak, our career, our passion, just like everything about us. And so I was like, you know what, like, I'm going to come up with something. And honestly, I was just like, normalizing and I just like honestly just brainstormed in my room one day and I was like normalize you that's what it's about because there's nobody else like you and nobody else is gonna like talk like you walk like you act like you behave like you and so I just love the concept of normalizing you because we're each our own person and we're each unique and so I was like all right I'm gonna do this like I'm gonna start it and I'm gonna see how it goes and um, I kind of started talking about it on my platform by just writing the hashtag normalize you on my chest and like taking some selfies and then I wrote a paragraph about how I've been learning to normalize who I am and then I invited people to be featured and it's grown over time and I'm just so excited for what's to come and to keep spreading the word about it. That's incredible. I mean, personally, when I had a look at it, I was just like overwhelmed by the amount of people who were like sharing their stories and really putting themselves out there. And I think it's really, really difficult to share that version of you, especially on social media, which, you know, it's kind of putting yourself out there in a way which shows your vulnerabilities. Like um, for me, at one point, it was just wearing a swimming costume. Um, For others, it might be, you know, uh, the side of their face or their legs or whatever. But I was, I was so happy to see that um, people were just relating to each other in such a warm and happy way. So thank you for starting this movement. I, I personally think it's going fantastic. That's, it's incredible. Like, congratulations. Oh gosh, I so appreciate it. And if you ever want to be featured, let me know. I would love to have you. Oh, I just, I love representing as many individuals as possible because like I said, like we're so much more than a body and there's so many things that we go through, including mental health struggles, you know, struggling with acne, struggling with relationships and family. And like talking about those things is so important because I think it makes people feel less alone and it makes them feel heard and seen, which is so important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, at one point, a lot of students that I know, they just didn't feel like anyone was listening. And I think seeing people who don't really look like us and normalizing the fact that not everybody looks like us and that's okay is so important, especially when you're in such a huge community where people just, you know, they hide their vulnerabilities sometimes. And um, I'm glad that there's people out there who are finally, you know, uh, churning the self-love, self-love revolution. (laughs) But speaking of long days, I mean, especially now, since we're all cooped up inside, we all have those horrible days, like how I was saying, I literally just sometimes look at myself and go, Bleh! and sometimes I'm like, wow, but, you know, do you have any advice for people um, about how to kind of give yourself that extra self-love when you're feeling really, really low about yourself? Yeah. I mean, I definitely, you know, struggle with my body image sometimes. Like nobody is going to have a perfect body image day every day. It's just not realistic. Mm. And even people who are in a solid place with their body and food and this, just their relationship with themselves, which I would consider myself to be in a very healthy space. I still have those days where I'm like looking in the mirror and I find myself critiquing myself a little bit, you know? And I think for me, what's really helped the most has been like acknowledging that moment acknowledging that I'm having that moment and that I find myself critiquing. It's like, okay, Gabby, like, why are you critiquing yourself? What's prompting this? Let's talk about it kind of thing. And for me, the biggest things that have helped the most is so acknowledging it, Mm -hmm. journaling about it. I love journaling. So journaling helps me a lot. Um, And then practicing um, positive body affirmations. Um, And those things just really help me a lot and just remind me that I'm so much more than a body. And these things that I'm critiquing myself about are so normal and everybody goes through these same struggles. And yeah, just, I think reminding myself, I just sometimes need a little pep talk. And so I just kind of have that reminder with myself and, you know, we're changing and growing through this time of quarantine. And I think it's a great opportunity to kind of, you know, take this time to reflect and really hone in on like, why am I being more critical of myself? Why am I, you know, looking in the mirror and saying mean things to myself? Where is this negative mm-hmm. self coming from? And just like really reflecting on it because most of the time it's not that we're upset with our bodies, but it's something much deeper. Yeah. I mean, I completely understand that. Like for, for those who don't really know, what are positive um, self-affirmations? Like what, what's an yeah. example of that? 
Yeah. So some of them that some of my favorites are like, I, you know, I move my body with joy and in light of love and, or like I live my life with light and joy and love, things like that, um, that are just more neutral and not so body focused. Yeah. I like the ones that are not as body focused. Um, and you know, another one would be like, I appreciate what my body can do and I'm thankful that it's healthy and it can move. And, um, you know, it's very, able-bodied you know there's a lot of people out there that have you know disabled bodies and it's a lot harder for them to move through this world and so I think just thanking my body like thank you body for what you can do and um in my normalize you movement e-guide actually that I created there's a section that's like one of my favorite sections is like thanking my body parts for different things that it does Mm -hmm. um I often forget that it's so easy to just thank different parts of your body but we're so hyper focused on what we don't like that we forget to thank our body like for example like I thank my arms for allowing me to hug my family every day. Like I thank my arms for allowing me to pet my cats. Like I thank my arms for being able to get up and go to the kitchen and make myself a sandwich for lunch. Like just small things like that, I think really put things into perspective. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally understand that, especially what you said about really acknowledging um, that you're having that negative thought. Um, when I tell my family that I'm feeling a bit low or that I feel insecure about my body or something, I mean, they're really supportive, but they just like, instantly like popped up a memory of my dad saying about the same thing he always says like if it's a traumatic memory or I mean I suffered through lots of trauma I mean it's it's shocking how many people have so much trauma these days but um when I when I get like these random flashes of memories or just traumatic thoughts or if it's like I'm criticizing myself so much my dad literally just says you know accept it welcome the thought in and then ask yourself okay so now I've got this thought now I've got this fear or now I've got this hate what am I going to do with it you know so when when you said that was instantly like oh that oh okay um so I definitely agree with that I think telling yourself and really connecting with yourself and how do I put this? So kind of telling your body's story. And um, like you said, you know, being grateful for hugging your family. I mean, bodies can do so much. Like mm-hmm. I can eat, I can walk. I'm so privileged to be able to, to do so many things. And I think it's very, very easy to forget what um, positive aspects our body helps us, you know, do like create and, you know, I can do so much, but sometimes it's so easy to just go, oh, this is, you know, this looks bad today. This flab makes me feel bad, but that flab also protects my organs and things like that. So it's very, very hard um, to really win a battle (laughs) between there. Um, I mean, I was talking about something in my previous interview where I was once body shamed for, you know, every belly has like a little bump at the bottom on the underside. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, someone told me, well, my cousin told me that I'd look better without one. Um, I'd look prettier with that one. She was talking to my aunt in front of me in third person being like, she'd look nice with that one, right? And I was like, uh. um, But ever since then, it's just been like, oh, why do I have this bump? And I think I really understand what you say about like thinking about what it does for us. I mean, that's essentially my uterus. <laughs> you know, I can't get rid of it. Um, yeah. And I also think, I mean, I'm so sorry that your cousin said that about you. Cause oh, it's, okay. <laughs> it's not okay though. Like that's one thing I always remind myself of is like when these things happen, I, I think in my past, I always used to be like, oh, it's okay. But in reality, it's not okay. And mm-hmm. I used to always be like, it's okay, but you know, whatever, whatever. But it's like, it's not okay actually to say those things about people because it's not their body. So they yeah. really have a right to be commenting on your body, period. Um, but I think it's important to note that a lot of the times when people make comments like that, it comes from a space of insecurity of their own and it's like projection, you know, they're, they're insecure about their body or something in their life and they're unable to process or cope with it. And so they often project onto others. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, like so many people have this ideal sort of body that they're looking for, even if they may not into that perspective themselves I am always confused as to why people kind of shove that onto others even though you know it's it's my body per se like I can't go up to someone and be like you have to look like this particular body type um but you know you you I've seen you do such an incredible job like educating us about 
society's narrow ideals of beauty and worth and you know you've gone through so much like you shared your experiences and your journey from recovering from an eating disorder and I think that's incredible and it's helping so many people understand what it's like to be heard and you consistently spread these messages of love and body positivity um not just through your Instagram, but also, again, your blog, which everyone should check out, by the way. She has amazing posts. Um, but what inspired you to share such a vulnerable um, part of your life with, you know, essentially a huge platform? Yeah. Um, honestly, I think for me, it was, I feel like I'm being my most true, authentic self when I'm opening up about my deepest vulnerabilities. And my eating disorder is something that took over my life for like 10 years, which is a very long time. And I think for so long, I thought that I was struggling alone. I was like, you know what? Everybody's on a diet. I normalize diet culture. I normalize, you know, counting what I ate and over-exercising because everybody does it. Unfortunately, you know, that lifestyle is very normalized. And so I never thought that I had a problem. And I was like, I can't imagine how many people are out there that experience a lot of the same things that I do and don't think they have an issue or don't have anybody to go to, you know, because it's not just, I hate my body or I dislike my body and I'm going to just watch what I eat. It's like, it becomes eating disorders. They become this obsessive thought process of like constantly, constantly berating your body and doing anything in your power to change the way that it looks, whether it's through food or exercise or whatever that may be. And so I just don't think that there's enough awareness out there about eating disorders. And I'm, finishing my master's in clinical psychology right now to become a therapist here in Texas. And I want to specialize in eating disorders. It's like a thousand percent what I want to do. And so I was like, you know what? Like I know the type of therapist that I'm going to be, and that's going to be an authentic, vulnerable, open therapist, because I feel like that's the best way to connect with my clients in the future. And so why not start now? Like why not start spreading education and awareness and being my vulnerable self now? Because I just think it can help so many people. And I think it has helped a lot of people. And oh, it's yeah. just it's so awesome to see that. It's so awesome to see people message me and be like, wow, I like really never thought that I had a problem. But like the more you talk about these things, I'm like really thinking I do. And just people I think are starting to normalize a lot of, you know, oh my gosh, it's okay to have belly rolls. It's okay to have stretch marks. It's okay to have cellulite. Like all these things, you know, that I struggled a lot with normalizing. And so I really, the main reason I shared my eating disorder, I was like, look, I am a human being that struggled in eating disorder for 10 years of my life, but I'm recovered and I've found self-love. If, if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's incredible what you do. It's so difficult. Even, I mean, for me, I try to share like snippets of my short, so far, very short life, uh, despite being a short person, but also just short <laughs> life. Um, <laughs> but it's incredible. Like when I read what you've written, I understand how hard it must be to really, you know, go back to that place to access those thoughts and share it with people. So thank you for that. And um, we will get back to discussing that after a very short break. Uh, just play a song for a few seconds. Sounds great. So this song is dedicated to my brother. Uh, yeah.
காயும் வேட்டி சேலையும் நம்ம பார்த்து சூடி சேருது செத்து வச்ச காத்துதி பாடு சுதி சேருது trigger warning to whoever's listening to this though if this isn't something that you're ready to hear about eating disorders that's absolutely fine you might want to pause this one or skip this bit if you are though um yeah so I, i remember going on a holiday with my whole family and we were on a boat earlier that day and i get seasick though being obsessed with the ocean i still get seasick and i was like you know seasick all over the place back at the hotel and I kind of just stuck with that excuse for about two weeks <laughs> and uh, I remember my parents were just like where are you going and I'm like oh I just feel seasick oh it was the boat you know they were like Miller you can't you can't be too seasick for two weeks and I was like what am I doing like what am I doing I was on this holiday and I was feeling guilty because somebody had told me I looked my thighs looked huge or something before I left Um, in one of the pictures I'd posted I was like you should be having such a great time and you're sitting here using you know seasickness as an excuse to really be unkind to your body and yeah I mean it stopped right there but I know so many people don't really have that epiphany for a really long time I mean what was that like for you when you kind of acknowledged that you know maybe what you may have been doing was not so kind it was hard I think it was hard. It was a big self-reflection process. Um, And I think part of the reason I never thought I had a problem was for two reasons. No one ever really alerted me or told me. Like at the time when I was seeing my therapist, you know, she had said, yeah, I mean, you you definitely have some sort of issues. And like she diagnosed me with an eating disorder um, probably when I was, I don't remember how long ago it was, but anyways, but um, she had diagnosed me at the time. But she never had said, like, you need higher level of care or, like, you know, you need to go to treatment. She had just said, yeah, these are things you struggle with. So I kind of was just like, okay, like, I struggle with these things. We're going to talk about it and I'll be fine. But but I think once I got to my breaking point, which was, you know, a couple things happened in my life. Like, I scratched the side of my car and I just, like, I, something else happened. And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm so out of my body. What is happening with me? I finally had the chance to sit down and be like, I can't do this anymore. Like I am so exhausted. I'm so exhausted about thinking about what I'm going to eat, when I'm going to eat, how much I'm going to eat, when I'm going to exercise, how many times a week I'm going to exercise, what I'm going to do to reach this goal weight, what I'm going to do to fit into these jeans. Like it was just so exhausting. The mental energy. It was like I had no space to do anything else in my life with my mental health space because all I was doing was being consumed by the energy of diet culture and changing my body. And so I think for me, it was kind of like a little, it was a hard pill to swallow when I had to meet with, you know, my medical doctor for eating disorders at the time. And he was like, yeah, this is not okay. Like you need to pause from your life and you need to get proper care because you're, you can't go on like this. And yeah, I think it was definitely a hard pill to swallow, but I, I, you know, in hindsight, I'm so grateful that I did take that break and I I got recovered, but it's not easy. It's not easy hearing like what you're doing is damaging your body and your mental health. And if you keep at this rate, I don't think you're going to be able to make it long-term. Yeah. Like that's scary, you know? very scary. Yeah. I mean, that must've been really hard for you. I'm sorry. Thank you. Yeah. It was, it was definitely hard, but again, like I'm so happy that I was able to come to that realization. Unfortunately, I think I kind of had to hit rock bottom Mm. for myself to finally just like surrender and just be like, I can't do this anymore. It's exhausting having all these thoughts. And I think somebody being able to define what I was going through and validate what I was going through was Mm. really nice and a great, you know, kind of like aha moment. Like, okay, I'm not crazy. Like, this is something that people experience in this heightened way. Like I'm going to get the help that I need and it's going to be okay. You know? And I also think 
another thing too was I was able to validate my experience because I felt so alone, you know, as I'm sure you did whenever you were having those thoughts and being like, why am I doing this? Like, you know, but I think it's, it's that voice in your head, that negative self-talk voice that's just trying to, you know, take over your life. And I think once you have the chance to step back and be like, no, I want to take action and like live my life the way that I want to authentically, it's just so, it's just a weight lift off your shoulders. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I bet, I mean, firstly, diet culture sucks, doesn't it? It's terrible. Like, it's the worst. <laughs> I, I, I was reflecting on like what I've been doing the past few years and it, it was really funny because I was like, I talk to people so much about how diet culture sucks and, you know, we should try to come out of it. And then I've been like, since I was like 14, I was like trying all these crash diets, like, you know, the three-day military diet. And then it was... Just, oh my God, I think I tried that one too. It was yeah, just... It was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, I remember my mum made the most tastiest chicken biryani one, one afternoon and I was sitting there eating toast with cottage cheese and oh, I still remember, no. <laughs> still remember we had guests over and I was just eating cottage, no, it was cottage cheese and raw tuna and it was like, oh Nilla, you're doing this because it's worth it, don't worry, but I just, I was like, how, <laughs> you know, now I'm at university and I would do anything for my mum's cooking right now you know oh i'm sure you do this to yourself (laughs) opportunity not to get chicken biryani you know um Mm -hmm. and then i did this thing called the water diet where i just drank water for like two days i just drank water every hour which is shocking probably to my friends who are listening because i am the worst i i i'm not like a very good uh water drinker that didn't make sense but hydrator yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Got you. we have a chart in my um in my student house uh, which I don't really update anymore even though I'm supposed to but it's basically <laughs> I note down how many bottles I've had a day and uh, if I don't have enough bottles my friends come and flick me as a punishment because I'll have <laughs> one sip of water I can go like two days without water it's it's <gasps> very bad yeah um a lot better now though hey chap lips but healthy skin Love it. Love <laughs> but yeah I was just thinking about like what were you doing like it, it's it's like that realization as you were saying it made me think you know have I wasted my time by firstly not eating the biryani biryani obvious regret but also it's just like I can't believe I was in the mindset of thinking that food is bad and that I should be drinking so much water uh, uh, to pee it all out and um, that I should just like all the water weight would go down or something. I mean, drinking that much water, I bet, is very, very unhealthy. Um, Too much of anything is unhealthy. So, I mean, I'm surprised you can feel dizzy or like pass out. I'm surprised I didn't explode. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm very, very shocked. I'm sure maybe I lost weight or something, but I, it wasn't in the right way. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I think... At that time, if I'm not wrong, um, I went through a really traumatic experience. My friend passed away. Um, it's okay. Um, it's been like five years now. But, oh my. <laughs> I was just like saying that out loud and I was like, wow. Um, but she unfortunately took her own life. And it was a really, really um, sad time. And I was like, I, I was so uh, attached to a separate group of friends um that after she passed away I was just like I don't have anyone anymore and I turned up to a cousin's wedding like you know same skinniness I was like the best my body's ever looked per se I felt Mm -hmm. fit and I was doing all these weird diets and stuff because I didn't have anything else to do and I was depressed and I wasn't doing well at school and school was being awful and unhelpful but I'd come there and people were like congratulating me on my body and, yeah. you know, they did know that I was going through something, but they were also like, wow, you look fantastic in this outfit. You know, your waist is so skinny and uh, you're glorifying the way At the time, I was just like, okay, anything good is enough for me at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I went back for another cousin's wedding, um, like a, maybe one and a half years later, um, after I started taking some medication and, um, you know, my body started changing like a normal human person, yeah. I put on some weight and it wasn't even that much, uh, now that I look at it, but it yeah. was made 
to seem like I'd put on like a thousand kilograms and I'd like <sighs> I got off the plane looking like an unrecognizable person and suddenly everyone was so hostile and just like oh my god why do you look like this now and making fun of me behind my back and all and it's <sighs> just like I think the glorification of like weight as a thing as you're talking about is so toxic especially if you're going through something like an eating disorder or grieving, I mean, I've never really talked about it in this way before because I myself never understood it till recently, but it it sucks, doesn't it? Oh, it does. And the, you know, it's so sad, but weight loss is so glorified that unfortunately people don't realize the harm that they're doing and the harm that they're doing is that they're further fueling the disordered behaviors that you're engaging in because they're like, Oh, well, you know, this might be bad what I'm doing. You know, if you're conscious of the fact that what you're doing is bad, but it's working and it's getting me the attention and people are, you know, glorifying my body. So I'm going to keep going. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, somebody was telling me, um, in my last show that, you know, you can be perfectly happy with your body, but also you it's okay if you want to change it like you could be satisfied and want to improve yourself further and it's it's okay to you know to be at that level and I think that's quite confusing for some people to understand because instantly they're like either you're glorifying weight gain or they're saying you're glorifying eating disorders do you get what I mean so yeah it's 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 a weird it's a weird scale that kind of just I don't know. It's very uppy downy. But speaking of scales, that was a really bad transition. But um, you know, so many people just think, as you said, that you're defined by how much you weigh. That number that pops up on the screen is apparently your worth. It's not to whoever's listening. Yeah. But what, what's your opinion um, before we go on uh, how mainstream media makes us think that this electronic box thing defines us? Man, I think it's, I think the scale is like the number one thing that so many people pay attention to and they're so consumed. And I myself was so consumed by the number on the scale. And I kid you not, like I, there was a period where I would weigh myself almost every day. And it's like, if that number didn't reflect what I wanted it to, it dictated my whole day. And I know that's the case for a lot of people. And I just think that it's so misrepresentative of who we are as humans. And there's just so many factors that go into our body composition, our health status, but people are just so consumed by the number. And I think it has a lot to do with just like general medicine and, you know, a lot of um, general medicine doctors go off of BMI, which is, you know, your ratio of your height and your weight. And they're like, you're either unhealthy or unhealthy or you're, you know, obese or you're overweight, whatever, whatever. And so I think that narrative has been, you know, put out there for so long that of course people are going to think, well, if my doctor is telling me that I'm overweight by just simply looking at my, my weight and my height through a chart, then it's like, I have, then I'm overweight. It's like, it's been so deeply ingrained and the narrative that's been going on for so long that it makes sense that people would look at a number and think like they're overweight or they're unworthy. Right. I think, um, as you were saying, it really, the, the, just a few words, they really, really stick to you. It's like a number gets pasted to your head, basically. And yeah. it's really hard to escape from that. So I do really understand what you mean. Um, I personally would talk to you for hours because oh I've personally learned so much. Oh, but fortunately, we have to say goodbye. It's okay. <laughs> I'm sure we'll do this again. I'm sure we'll do this again soon. I, I genuinely have so many questions, so I'm gonna have to have you on again um, and ask you all of my life's questions because <laughs> I, I've learned. I've genuinely learned so much, and I hope others have too. But Gabby, thank you so much for being here. It's it's been a pleasure um, talking to you and really learning your experiences. And um, thank you for what you do. And I hope. Uh, your little community keeps getting bigger and bigger because more people deserve to see what you're talking about. And um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Neela, for having me. It was an honor. And I just feel so grateful to be able to share this knowledge and these personal experiences with people. And I really look forward to being on here again. Yay. (laughs) Well, (laughs) goodbye to you. Have a wonderful week. Thank you. You too. Bye. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for listening to that interview. I really hope you learned something from it. I definitely uh, learned plenty of things and it was a very vulnerable episode. Um, but to conclude, a fantastic day is obviously still the Bavali. And here is a song that I just thought it's chaotic, just like me. So thank you to everyone. Have a wonderful week.
ಮನಮಿಲ್ಲ ಕಡಿಯೇ ಕಂಡನೆ 